Thank you very much, Laura and Lorelei, for ministering in music. <clears throat> if you notice, our order of service might be somewhat different than normal. And again, that is, you know, by design in light of what we're discussing, just to give some opportunity as it relates to some application in light of what we discuss. So we interact with God's Word this morning. I have a $50 bill here. And I want you to think about it this week. I'm willing to give it away, but there's some conditions. The conditions are, other than for work, you will have to give up the computer. Any exposure you have to the media via TV, movies and radio for one month. <clears throat> Only 50 bucks. Now think about that. I'll bring that up again next Sunday. Maybe I'll up it a little. How much, Leron? At least a thousand? <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to depart with or part with too much. A couple questions. And these are related. Will you sacrifice a friendship to keep your sexual purity mentally and physically? Will you sacrifice your computer to keep from games that hinder you in thinking biblically? Will you sacrifice your job in order to maintain honesty? Will you sacrifice leisure, sports, to consistently worship with other believers? We want to read from Mark chapter 8 this morning. Mark chapter 8. And as we think about... <clears throat> Mark 8, to this point in Mark, Jesus has been presented as the Son of God. He's pre been presented for who he is in his character, his integrity, his being. And in Mark 8, 31 through chapter 9 and verse 1, he is inviting people to follow him. Mark 8 and verse 31, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if any man or if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will you lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this idolatrous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And he said to them, I tell you the truth, 
Some who are standing here will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God come with power. Now, this is in the context of Jesus asking his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter responded and said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And Jesus then turns around and says, involved in Messiahship is to suffer many things, to be rejected, to be killed, and then to come from the dead. Now keep in mind, Mark is probably writing to the believers in Rome who are being persecuted for their faith. They lived under Nero. And as they heard what Jesus was saying, suffering, rejection, killed. That means we're disciples of Christ. We're suffering, we're being persecuted, we're being killed. We're disciples of Christ. Christ came from the dead, so they could also think, oh, we're disciples of Christ, persecution, suffering, death, but we're going to rise from the dead one day in the future. And it's in that context that Jesus says to Peter, you know, get, me behind, get behind me, Satan. And he rebukes Peter. And then he gives an inv invite, if anyone would come after me, you know, a choice, let him deny himself. Lay aside a view where I'm in control of life and say, you know, it's Christ and who he is and his identity, his being that I want to follow. He says, take up the cross. And the cross, as we discussed last week, is referring to that which comes into our life, that which came into the life of the 12, that which came into the life of the Roman believers that were reading this due to embracing Christ. If they lit Nero's garden, that was taking up a cross. If they lost their possessions because of their faith in Christ, that was taking up the cross. For us today, if you're made fun of because of your position on human sexuality, that would be a form of taking up the cross. If you work hard as unto the Lord, and you're told to take it easy and made fun of, that would be a form of taking up the cross. Now think about the Roman believers that were hearing this as they heard it. They had been rejected. They were being rejected. They were suffering. Some of them had been killed. And Jesus, or rather Mark, is saying to them, that's indicative of the fact that you're following Christ. And if you're suffering, if you're being rejected, if you're going to be killed, and some of you have been killed, remember there's a resurrection coming. Just as Christ came from the dead, you're going to also come from the dead. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And Jesus says, follow me. Follow me is a call to be with Jesus not to merely do. He says to the 12, he says to the crowds, follow me, be with me. I'm not asking you to merely do, but I'm asking you to be with me. It's like a husband saying to his wife, honey, I'm not so concerned about all that you may do for me. I just want you to be 
with me. It's like a child wanting to be with dad, with mom, to follow. It's a call to experience, to live Christ's life. How do you experience and live Christ's life? The 12 saying, Jesus, we can't experience suffering and rejection and death for you, can we? And he says, no, you can't. But when I'm your life, you can. And that's why the 11, 11 of the 12 apostles went to death not by their own choice in the sense of they died naturally, but they were killed for their faith because they're experiencing the life of Christ. Peter was the one who tradition would say did not want to be crucified like Christ, so he has to be crucified upside down. It's a call for Christ to be our life, not to merely give us life. It's a call for Christ to be our life, to be the life of the 12, not to merely give us life. So the Roman believers, they're going to light Nero's garden tonight. They think, you know, Christ is my life. I willingly go and light Nero's garden tonight because Christ is my life. I know who he is and his identity, his character, and his being. In Sudan, many believers have endured persecution for decades, yet have chosen to remain in their country of Sudan to minister. One of those is Pastor Mata. Pastor Mata was arrested by the military in 1982 at the beginning of the Second Civil War between Northern and Southern Sudan. He was held for 48 days before being released. In 1986, he was rearrested and imprisoned for eight years. During the imprisonment, he was interrogated and endured severe torture. He was beaten with wooden slats and metal rods. Electrodes were attached to his ears. His genitals <clears throat> were crushed. His fingernails were pulled out, and he was whipped with wires. Mata told some workers, that God helped him to endure the torture. God showed me I am with you. God reminded me that the body can die, but the soul cannot. I once said to my torturers, you can torture me, but if you kill me, I will just see Jesus Christ. Why would a man like that pastor in Sudan choose to follow Christ and remain in his country? Because he's convinced of the identity, the being of Jesus Christ. And he chose to follow him, denying himself, taking up his cross, and following Christ. Just thinking a little more about what it means to follow Christ, to imitate or follow as a disciple. The Roman believers were imitating Christ. Some of them died. They were being rejected. They were being persecuted. The 12 apostles chose to follow. They were, 11 of them were killed for their faith. They suffered rejection and persecution. What were they doing? They were imitating Christ who was rejected, who suffered and was killed. And they also knew that they would imitate him in their resurrection in the future. It's a call to follow Christ, to imitate Christ. It's a call to desire the character of Christ, 
to be built into our lives. A call to desire the character of Christ to be built into our lives. Listen as I read from Hebrews chapter 12. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. When persecution comes, when rejection comes, suffering comes, Jesus says, let my character be in you. I endure the cross joyfully. Following me, obedient with a servant's heart. Obedience with a servant's heart. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 talk about the fact that Christ was willing to lay aside the independent use of his deity to go, or to come rather, to this earth. Obedience. A yielding to Christ in attitude, in thinking, in motives, in beliefs, in words and actions. Thus a Christ-like character. Depends on your severe influence as to what is considered real good character. You know, if you're among those who <clears throat> make their living from stealing and involved in drugs and alcohol, you know, the tough macho hurting others would be character. Some people say you're real character. You have depth of character if you're willing to and able to rip others off and get rich at hurting others. Sometimes men are told that you're a real man if you dominate over women. Sometimes women are told you're a real woman if you can control your husband rather than following his leadership. What does God, what does Christ call character? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. Passionately, aggressively pursuing you know, the attitude, the motives that are Christ-like. Matthew chapter 5, we have part of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5 and verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit, I can't handle life. I need help. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Do we mourn in sickness and in death? Do we mourn over sin in our world? He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. No comfort if there's no mourning. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. No one runs over me. I get my way. I take control of my life. A meek person is willing to accept what comes into life. And depending upon Christ is their life. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So someone comes up to you and says, what is the passion of your life? The passion of my life is righteousness. I want to be righteous. Are you crazy? 
You want to be righteous? Yeah, I want to be righteous. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So you see that gal, that guy that is going through tremendous difficulty because of sin in the past. You think, well, they're getting what they deserve. And you think, no, they may get what they deserve, but I'm called to be merciful to them. Part of following Christ. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The other day I was talking to, we were talking, or I was talking to some pastors and we were discussing, you know, TV and movies and so on. And I, part of my response was, I'm quite careful in what I watch because of what it does to my heart. I want to be pure. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So someone comes along and says next Sunday morning, I just want you to know that I lost my job this week. Why'd you lose your job? Because two weeks ago, in the course of a conversation during break, I brought up the issue of Christ. And they said, we don't allow that around here. We don't know if you knew it or not. But you're fired. They say, I'm blessed. The pastor that I mentioned from Sudan earlier, he's basically saying, I'm blessed that I can be persecuted for Christ. That's part of following Christ. Thinking in that way. Yielding to Christ in attitude, thinking, motives, beliefs, words, and actions. Thus, Christ-like character in Matthew 5, I think, communicates what Christ would value. Following Christ, back to Mark 8, actively, passionately, aggressively pursuing Christ alone and what pleases him. The Roman believers pursuing Christ even if it meant death. Can you imagine the Roman believers getting together some night as they're worshiping together and uh, Travis says, My dad was burned two nights ago at the stake. And Scott says, my mom was thrown to the lions. And Jim says, my wife and I were told that unless we renounce our faith, our children will be taken from us this coming week. We want Christ and Christ alone. It's living for his approval. His approval alone. The Roman believers, a willingness 
to have their property confiscated. Look, we're going to take your property. We're going to take your house. It's no longer going to be yours. And the only, reason, or the only way you can keep it is if you renounce Christ. And they say, I won't renounce Christ. Well, then the property is ours. Well, you say, that's not just. That's not fair. There is no fairness when it comes to persecution. It's commitment to Christ. Take up your cross and follow Christ. Some applications. Know what Christ desires in your attitude and your motive and your desires, your words and actions in life 24-7. Now, for the Roman believers, that meant they understood that Christ desired for them some persecution, some rejection, and some death. I'm accepting that. And when we think about following Christ, we think, oh, I escape hell and go to heaven. I get a life of ease. And Jesus is saying, no, you're not understanding what it means to follow me. Because sometimes I desire for your rejection and suffering and so on. It's a desire to know and live or learn Christ. A desire to know and learn God's character and his thinking. A desire to practice body life. When I say practice body life, if you think about the people to whom Mark was writing, so Travis comes and he says, they took dad. He lit Nero's garden. Travis is grieving and they come alongside him and say, Travis, you do understand, don't you, that your dad going to the <clears throat> garden to be one of Nero's <clears throat> torches as indicative of the fact that you and your dad are following Christ. Be encouraged. Jim and Gary Ann, be encouraged. They won't take your children because of your faith in Christ. God will take care of your kids. We're going to pray with you, and, you know, as you face this. I think that's part of following Christ for the Roman believers practicing body life. In 1 Peter chapter 4, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So we come together some Sunday morning. <clears throat> And Peggy says, I got to talking to one of the people that I work with about what Christ could do in your, their family. And they reported that to my boss, and my boss said, you're done. Lost your job. Peggy said, I'm rejoicing that I can suffer, or, uh, participate in the sufferings of Christ. Following Christ is living from the inside out, dealing with the mind, renewing the mind, and then living accordingly. The pastor I mentioned from Sudan a little while back, he had to renew his mind. 
the pain that he would have been going through, as he is going through that pain thinking, I'm blessed that I can be persecuted for Christ. No, he had to renew his mind. Shifting gears on the opposite end, you turn off the TV and say, that's not worthy to watch because you renew your mind, living from the inside out. It's a delight, not a duty. It's a delight for the 12 to follow Christ, even if it meant death. It's not a duty. Gathering with believers, a delight, not a duty. Practicing body life, a delight, not a duty. It's, it means I can't live the Christian life. He is my life. By nature, I'm a selfish man. Hate to admit it, but that's true. My wife already knows that after 41 years of living with me. But it's only because of Christ being my life and my choosing to follow Christ that repeatedly in those 41 years, I've said it's not about Dan. It's about Ruth Ann. Because I'm called to love her as Christ loved the church. And that has meant, over the years, admitting I was wrong, asking forgiveness. See, I don't do that by nature. I can't. Christ can. It means, following Christ, I desire to delight in Christ alone. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Christ. Think about what that looks like for you as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a parent, or I'm sorry, as a child. What that looks like for you as you go to your job in the culture in which we live. I would encourage you to quite often turn off the noise in your life individually, in your marriage and as a family, just to be still and to think about denying yourself, taking up your cross and following Christ. What does that look like in our culture today? Will you sacrifice a friendship to keep your sexual purity mentally and physically? Will you sacrifice your computer to keep from games that hinder thinking biblically? I could ask a host of other questions. A wife who faithfully for many years did much for her husband was interacting with her husband. And her husband was saying, you know, I appreciate all that you have done for me. I've been blessed. And the, wife's, or the husband said to his wife, do you feel blessed? And the wife says, honey, I've been blessed in many ways, but there's one blessing that I really missed in the years that I've been married to you. 
I wanted to follow you. I wanted to be with you. And many times you didn't have time, and many times I didn't have time just for us to be with each other. A daughter is being ready to be walked down the aisle by her father. And dad makes a comment to his daughter, and the daughter says, Dad, I want you to understand that as I am turning from following you to turning to follow my husband, in light of what you just asked me, I really didn't want the car. I wasn't so concerned about the car you gave me, all the things that you gave me, all the possessions you gave me. As your daughter, I just wanted to be with you. The call to discipleship is to be with Christ and all that that entails. And part of that entails being the body of Christ. And part of being the body of Christ involves worship, and that involves singing, that involves scripture, that involves giving and prayer. I invite you to take your hymnals and turn to 115 as Travis comes to lead us.